Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 114. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Uh, I, I picked uh, a scab or something on my neck earlier, and I, I just finished the blood thinners from my, my surgery, so I, I haven't taken them in a couple of days, so I forgot. Uh, and so when I picked it, it looked like someone shot me in the neck. There was blood everywhere. <laughs> that sounds terrible. That sounds like I would be scared lifeless. Yeah. So I picked it without thinking anything. And then I just, you know, a, a few seconds later, I went to the bathroom and I was like, oh my God, what the hell is that? There's a big blood all over it. It was kind of dri- It was, oh God, I just picked a scab. It was a tiny scab. It was not a big one. Just like a, a shaving scab even. I think it was nothing huge. Right. And then it looked like you got stabbed in the neck. That's right. That's exactly correct. Okay. Well, what, fitting what's for, going on with you? Um, nothing close to that at all. It's been a boring week at work. Not a whole lot to report. Um, all things are well here at the O'Leary household. Good. Let's talk about some New York Islanders then. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Mitch, do you have an addition for us? Uh, it is number 114. 114, buddy. That's crazy. I know. Went uh, quick. And with that, we're going to take a player from the 2014 NHL Islanders draft. So that means the ones that the Islanders picked. And I'm not going to name any uh, any uh, a player that we already know. I'm going to pick someone that we don't know. Because what we do here is we ask questions just before our social segment. Just to see if you know you, Matt, because I'm the one asking the questions. If you know your Islanders draftees. And this edition is the Kyle Shemp edition. Kyle Shemp. Shemp. Okay. So remember that and then let your mind do some thinking uh, so that later on you have something to go on when I ask you the questions. Fantastic. Okay. Good. Great. So with that, Mitch, we have a couple of games to talk about. Two Islanders wins against Winnipeg and Columbus. Obviously, we get more in-depth on these on the Patreon post-game podcast, where you can find them on patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, and we go like 
really in depth, like a half hour on each game. Uh, but just quickly, what are some notes or takeaways that you have from these two wins? Uh, they didn't look they look progressively better if I want to take the positive angle here. Uh, they didn't look fantastic in either of them, but they looked progressively better, right? They won in a shootout. They won in overtime. Then they won in regulation. So I, I'm just saying that they're, they're progressively getting better and they're getting their legs under them. So that's that's what I'm going with. Okay. I, I, I tend to agree with you there. It looks like the Islanders are back to what they looked like last year when they were playing well. Not giving up a ton of goals, scoring just enough to get by, and just continuing to win games despite not being all that great in terms of generating offense or shots. Yeah, exactly. That sounds about right. Yeah, so both the Islanders win both those games. They're on a four-game win streak, which is uh, that's a positive. I'll take that. Heck yeah, that's a positive. That's a great positive. They haven't been on a four-game win streak since January of last year. Okay, that's been... Sorry. Sorry, January this year. January of last season, I should say. There you go. I was going to say that's even longer than I would have thought. Uh, so 10 months. It's been 10 months since a four-game win streak. Think about that. It was January 18th, I think, when they won their fourth game in a row. Uh, that's February, March. I guess that's just two months of regular hockey season. That's still That was two of their, their better months, and still nothing. They didn't get a four-game win streak in those months. Interesting. Okay. So. See, I wouldn't have picked up on that. So there you go. Good things for the Islanders so far. And now they got a four-day break. Yay. Yeah, the Islanders haven't played since Saturday. It's felt like forever, to be honest with you. Like, I forgot that it's hockey season right now just because we've been out of touch since Saturday. Yeah, it's been it's been wild. Uh, and and they, they play three games, and then they're going to go on another four-day break. Unbelievable. <laughs> what is happening here? Who is making these schedules? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I don't know. The person making these, because obviously the Islanders aren't the only ones taking breaks, um, but uh, they're certainly up there. So that's really a long time to go. I know the Rangers have a long break. Other teams also have long breaks, but my God, this is a bit, it's a bit much at the start of the season. Absolutely. So with that, do you want to talk about one thing in particular about the games that have excited us? Yes, let's do that. Okay. So the New York Islanders are a top three team in power play. How the heck did that happen, Mitch? Buddy, I have no idea. I, Jim Hiller. That's the only thing I can think of is Jim Hiller because that's the only difference right now in the power play. Yeah, that is absolutely it. I, in the article, I wrote how it's essentially the same team. So the confusing part is, like, you look at this roster and it's essentially the same as last year, and they were third worst in the league last year. And you're going, okay, I, I know they only had 12 power play opportunities, and they scored on four, so that's 33%. So it's a small sample size. But you're saying to yourself, what the heck's the difference? And it goes down to the coaching and the system, right? That has to be it. It has to be. Like you say, it, it really is the same group of players out there, the same two groups. Maybe they're changed up a little bit. So you, you can definitely say, like, well, power play one, even though Barry Trotz doesn't call it that, power play one uh, consists of different parts than it used to. Okay, fine. But the personnel is still the same. The names on the back of the jerseys are still the same. They're just used differently because of a different coach is coming in. Right. And to me, I think the biggest difference is that they are getting pucks to the net and they are not around the perimeter as much. They are doing cross-ice passes and stuff like that and really 
you know, using the space to their advantage where last year it was like, all right, we're just going to throw this thing around the edge and nothing's going to happen ever. Well, it's not even just that they're throwing things around the edge, which they, they were very much. You're absolutely right. It's they were doing so indecisively, right? They're just throwing around kind of like, oh, I don't know who you are. And they were taking like 40 minutes to get there. Like Josh Bailey on the puck, slower than molasses in January, just not anywhere near decisive enough in moving the puck around. And now they, they seem to know where they are. Even though, according to Barry Trotz, they didn't spend much time in the, in the preseason practicing power plays. That's crazy. Yeah, that seems almost unbelievable that like they didn't spend a ton of time on this, yet that's arguably the biggest difference from last year to this year. Yeah, exactly, which is wild. It's absolutely wild. Uh, their zone entries are great. Maybe not great. And that's me overreacting. They're better, better much better. Like there, there's no longer that, that ridiculous super dump pass. They still do a, a version of that. I wouldn't call it a super dump. It's more of just like a dump type of thing. And if you're unfamiliar with the term, a super dump is when the uh, one puck carrier for the Islanders power play would go up to the red line with the puck and then just back pass it to whoever was doing a big loop to the back. Usually it was like Matt Barzal or Nick Letty, something like that who's like all the way into defensive zone would then pick it up with a full head of steam. Meanwhile, there's like nine people on the blue line just waiting and they would inevitably fail. Yeah, that would never work. And that, I think that drove you crazy. Like, yeah, it, it drove both of us crazy, but that was like your uh, most on-brand Mitch thing getting mad about, which I like. I, always mad about it. It's so stupid. Because not only are those people waiting at the blue line and thus you have a harder time getting through because you literally have less space to deal with, but you also have those guys waiting at the blue line. So if you go into the attacking zone, well, guess what? Your guys still have to wait at the blue line. They're not skating. They're flat-footed. So you could be all the way into the zone, and they're still you know, a quarter of the way in. You've got no one else to pass with. Defenders from the other side are, are manning up on your guys, and you have no outlet. So, like, great. What have you done with it? You've entered the zone, and your guys aren't set up. Awesome. <laughs> Inevitably, it would le- the puck would leave the zone. So, like, great. That, that was for nothing. Yeah, thanks for coming in today. We appreciate all you did. <laughs> exactly. But I guess my next question is, how sustainable is this? Where do you think that they, they, there's no way they finished with 33%. That would be insane. I think the Lightning were at like 28% roughly last year, and they led the way. 33 yeah. is just insane. So where do the Islanders end up when it's all said and done? If they can sit at 20%, like we said at the beginning of the season, then we're all good. Right. And 20 percent, that's a 13 percentage point drop off here. So that that's that that's feasible. Uh, that's likely even. And that'd be great. That'd be great. Can they keep up 33 percent? I doubt it. Like you said, I doubt it. But what's really important here is that they are this efficient with that little uh, uh, that few opportunities. I believe they're one of the, the least that uh, have the least amount of opportunities in the league at this point. Yeah, they have to. I, I think they're right there. I think they're either the lowest or not. I'm just trying to pull it up now um, in, in power play opportunities in the league at this point, which is incredible that they're this efficient with that few opportunities. Uh, so let's just see power play stats. Oops, clicked on the wrong one. Power play stats, run report, power play opportunities, scroll for the lowest. They are the lowest by a considerable margin. They have eight games played, 12 power play opportunities. The next one up are the Tampa Bay Lightning with eight games and 12, or sorry, 21 power play opportunities. Wow. That's a huge difference. And that, that's, that's ranked. That's ranked like from 12 to 21. That's incredible. What? They're off by nine. Nine power play opportunities. That's more than one per game on average. 
less than the next op- the next worst team in terms of drawing penalties. So is this something the Islanders have to do different? Do they have to play a different way in order to draw more penalties, or is it more a luck thing? Uh, I think it's definitely it's a little bit of. I wouldn't say they need to do something different so they can draw more penalties because they're winning right now, and and the power play is, is well is doing well. So like I don't know, I I think it's fine. Um, I I think it's just a circumstance of like they played some teams that maybe don't take a lot of penalties, or. I, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't get it. Like this, this should be twelve panel penalties from Matthew Barzell alone in this amount of time. Yeah, it certainly feels that way, and I agree. I don't want the Islanders to do anything different. I think it's. I lean more towards unlucky, whether it be the refs just not calling something, or they just play in a game where there aren't opportunities for penalties to be called. That's right. Like to be fair like the islanders are are definitely more on the defensive end so you you take a lot more penalties in in the defensive zone than you give right or receive i should say yeah absolutely um so that usually happens unless like you're veterans and you're taking stick fouls in the defensive zone all the time um I, sorry i take that back that had nothing to do with anything i don't know why i even said that <laughs> so no. um but the islanders just they, they're not on the front foot enough to, to generate these penalties. And I think that's that's the difference. Maybe they need to be more offensive. They need to be in the, the offensive zone more, but that's just not something the Islanders do, right? Like, that's not their game. No, it, it's not. And that's on Barry Trotz. And not in a bad way. He just sees what this team has and says, okay, I'm going to play to this team's strength, which is a defensive grinded out kind of game. Yeah, unfortunately for us, yeah, that's exactly right. It's working, though, like we just said in the Open. They won their last four games. It's it's hard to sit here and complain. I, I know, listen, I'm frustrated that Tom Kunako's on the top line, too, but they've won four games in a row. It's like, how much can we really sit here and yell and scream? To be fair, it's not because Tom Kunako's playing on the top line. Oh, and I agree with you. Technically, I guess, but still. No, I agree with you 100%, but it's just, <laughs> it's funny. It is. So, like, I just want to bring up the times that they're shorthanded. They're also the lowest in the league with 19 times being shorthanded. So, like, they don't get a lot. They also don't give a lot. So, that's that's good. All right. So, you know, special teams might not be a thing, but they're efficient in comes, comes specialty teams. Um, what is their... Why can't I get their... There is a penalty kill percentage for the Islanders is... Why can't I find them? It's the twenty fifth in the league with seventy three point seven. So it's not great, but they're you know they're not short and they're not shorthanded very frequently. So right, it's all about the sample size, and I think that played a role to an extent in the Islanders uh, being so high in the league at thirty three percent right now, because they've only had twelve. After if they have another twelve, are they going to be at thirty three percent? I bet no. I bet no, but you know I don't I don't think it'll be the drop off will be that dramatic. Uh, it's just nice to see, nice to see them rolling like this right now. Like when we when uh, at the start of last season, in their first eight games, they had five power play goals, which sounds like a lot because it's one more than we have now. Um, but let me just bring up my calculator because I want to get all of the uh, I want to get their percentage. Uh, so three, four, four, one, four, three. Whoops, I did a twenty-three. I, they had five in. I can't type. Can you van for a second? <laughs> I don't know. What are you doing? I'm trying to figure out how, how efficient they were in the eight games last year to see if they're better off right now than they were last year at the start of at the, the start season. of the season. Uh, yeah. Okay, so if I had to guess, 
I'm going to say that they were better last year than this year. That would be my so, guess. I did the math quickly. They are not. Uh, they were with five power play opportunities on, I'm oh, sorry, five power play goals on 23 power play opportunities. They were efficient 21.7% of the time. Okay. Which is significantly worse than it is now. It's still good. Like that's, uh, if you take 21.7, I think we'd take that come the end of the year. Oh, of course. Um, But at 33, specifically considering how they ended last year, you're going, all right, this is good. We can deal with this and we can roll with this. And look, we talked about their, um, their efficient, or sorry, their, their personnel and the players are rolling out. Jordan Eberle isn't even out there right now. No, but I'm glad you brought that up, the personnel, because on that second power play unit, even though there really aren't labeled one and two, according to Barry Trotz, uh, Anders Lee and Oliver Wallstrom on power play number two is rather intriguing. I like that a lot. Yeah, that sounds great. You you can have uh, Lee in the low slot just next to the goalie, and then you have Wallstrom in the high slot. So he's picking up pucks and firing them at net, and, Lee, and Lee's right up there blocking the goalie's view. Perfect. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it. Uh, Lee's the best net front, net front presence guy, where Wallstrom, as crazy as it might sound because he doesn't have a goal yet, he might have the best shot on the Islanders, though. He's got one hell of a release. I won't say he's got the best shot. He's got one hell of a release on that shot. He just needs to sight that sucker. Once he gets that figured out where he needs to be and how he needs to get on, uh, where, where, how he needs to get it on that, boom, that, that, that puck's going in. Um, but right now he just hasn't figured that out quite yet. But he's got what three, four games under his belt. Three, I'm pretty sure three. Yeah. So like, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned. Um, but with players likely coming back soon, maybe he doesn't have a spot anymore. That would be extremely disappointing if he doesn't have a spot. Okay, well, let's talk about that then, because that that is our next topic. Because um, I, if bodies start coming back. I could definitely see him going down. I could definitely see it happening. All right. So right now, Andrew Ladd, Jordan Eberle, Casey Zekas, Leo Komarov, and Tom Kunakel are all out right now. Yes. When do they come back? I guess we'll go through each one and start there with Ladd. He just got the uh, non-contact jersey taken off the orange jersey, and he has been upgraded to the white jersey, Mitch. He is full contact. But I don't think we're going to see Andrew Ladd anytime soon. I think the original timetable for him was towards the end of November, which is still a month out. Yeah, and they like to be overly cautious with these things, right? Like when Andrew Ladd came back last year from an injury, they sent him down to the AHL for a conditioning stint, right? Yes, they did. So can they do that again when he's actually ready? Yeah, they might. And then keep Wallstrom around. Sure, they could definitely do that. Um but with the non-contact jersey coming off, he's he seems close. He's obviously closer than he was before the non-contact jersey, um, or the not before the contact jersey was put on. So I don't know, man. Like he, they might just toss him in. They might just say, "Like you're ready, go. Let's see what you got." I would be really surprised if they did that. It, it to me it depends on how close he is to game game day shape. Is he ready right now to play? If so. They they might they might do it. Now he didn't have a preseason, so it wouldn't necessarily surprise me because there's precedence for this, specifically with him, that they'd send him down to the AHL. I could see them doing that because they did it just last year. Um, but could they also just say like, well, you know, whatever, we could use some veteran leadership on line three. All right, let's roll it out. It's possible. 
I would, like I said, I'd be extremely surprised. I think that he starts in the AHL and after a few games gets the call up and is going to play on line three. I think eventually, yes, that's where he's going, but I still don't think we see that anytime soon. I think you're looking at another couple of weeks before he even gets uh, on the ice in the AHL. Yeah, that's like I was playing devil's advocate there because so, I think you're, you're probably right. Like, why would they rush him in? They don't seem like that type of, of team and management group to rush a veteran like this who has injury problems, right? He hasn't played a full season for the Islanders. Um, close with a 78-game season, I think, in his first year. Um, but they'll, they'll want to rest him if they want, they're going to want to get that 20-goal potential out of him. So I could see him going to the AHL. I think ultimately that's what happens for conditioning stint. Yeah, he'll get definitely get a conti- uh, conditioning stint. Uh, next up, Jordan Eberle. I think it's still probably, what, two weeks away? Probably, if you had to guess. I don't know. I don't. I, I really don't know how far or how close he is. They they just put him on, on IR recently uh, I, because they, they had to with Casey Zegas that they had to put on IR. Uh, I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense. They put him on IR, and it, it just seems like he's not that far away. But they keep just saying it's day-to-day, right? Like, oh, he's day-to-day. He could be coming back. And then, but we, we don't hear from him. Now, four-day break, does that help a day-to-day injury? I would say so. But who knows, right? Like, it could be day-to-day for weeks now. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. And the tough part with the day-to-day is it, it never turns out to just be a couple days. It's always, like, a thing that turns into something bigger. So are they just doing, like playoff type of injury strategy where we just try to reveal absolutely nothing because it's the playoffs in hopes of question mark I don't know I don't know why you would be cagey with this type of stuff you could just say he's got like a a busted up knee and he's icing it or something I don't know I'm shrugging because I I don't have a real good answer for you I'm assuming that's just how they're going to operate they're going to be secretive and they don't want information leaking and getting out there with that being said I don't think they're in any rush to get Eberly back right now either. I just think that they're willing to get by for another week or two, evaluate then, and see if they can bring him back. Eberly, I don't think, is going to get a conditioning stint. Lad, I think, definitely does. Yeah, I don't think Eberly does. What what helps them is the fact that they're winning. They're winning without these guys, so they, they don't need to rush right now because it's not like they're in a losing situation and they need to get back to uh, winning ways. They're already there without them. So once these guys are ready to go, they're just adding to the mix. It's just going, all right, well, we're already at a winning a winning position. Now we're adding, well, I'm going to say talent, but I'm really referring to Everly and Tzizikas here. We're adding talent to the mix. That can only make it better. Absolutely. Uh, when we come back, Mitch, we're going to talk about Casey Tzizikas. But first, let's take a quick break. All right, welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 114. We're talking about injured players, illness players, all that fun stuff. Next up is Casey Sezikis. He went back to practice, and he looked like himself. He dislodged the net because he was crashing the net. (laughs) So I'd have to imagine that if he doesn't play on Thursday, that it's going to be pretty soon after that, right? I would say so. Yeah, he looks back to normal. Um, he he's a guy that they want back. They 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 desperately need him back. Is it weird that you're saying out of everyone listed that you desperately need the fourth line center back? In any other situation for any other hockey team, yes. yes. But because it's the Islanders and we know what the Islanders' identity is, 
and and where that identity comes from, no. Yeah, that's just the thing. Like, if you woke, if you were frozen in carbonite and you woke up and you're like the Islanders, you someone tells you the Islanders have an injury to their top line right winger and their fourth line center. Who do you think needs to come back first? Obviously, you're going to be like, oh, the top line right wing. And then they're going to hit you over the head and say, no, it's Casey Zekas who needs to come back, you idiot. <laughs> Clearly, you're super stupid if you don't understand this. <laughs> Uh, but it's true, though. Like, the identity of the Islanders comes from the fourth line. That's We saw it all last year. Uh, and with him out, the fourth line is non-existent. Guys like Komarov and Clutterbuck are interchanged with Kunakel, with Martin, with Johnston. And they're playing, like, eight, nine minutes a game instead of the 10 to 12 that they're used to. I know we're only talking about three minutes, but in the NHL, three minutes is a big deal. Just ask Matthew Barzell. Oh, of course. That's it's a huge deal. The difference between eight minutes and twelve minutes, what sometimes they can get on a night, is a. It's how many more shifts? Five more shifts. Five, maybe something like that. Yeah. So, but the idea here is that he's not willing. He being Barry Trotz, willing to to run out a line that doesn't has cases Zekas as its center, um, against any opposition. And that's contrary to everything the Islanders stand for as it stands now. Like, they run four lines against any opposition. Barry Trotz will say those exact words. We don't care who they play against. We'll run anyone out there. But they can't do that when Casey Zizekas isn't out there because guys like Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck aren't as effective as they were without him or with him. Yeah, that's just the thing. You really see, whenever Zizekas goes out, you really see the catalyst of that fourth line. It's obvious that it's him. It's easily him. And and because of that, he is the heart of this team. He's the beating heart of this team. And when you rip that out, oh, it comes crumbling down. They, they still win, right? They've still won. I'm not trying to say it's all doom and gloom and they'll never win again. But they have to win by a different way. And that different way doesn't always work with the way that they've, they've currently played. Um, so w- with that fourth line intact with Sezikis, they're a completely different team. And they play the Barry Trotz way and they play it well um, with that fourth line completely intact. Right, and that just goes to show you how good Sezikis is and that, I think, without question, the best fourth-line center in the game. He's too good for a fourth-line. He's too good. And it's not to say, like, oh, he plays fourth-line, he plays fourth-line minutes. It's not just the minutes, the minute count that I'm worried about. It's the deployment. A fourth-line's deployment is typically heavily weighted towards the defensive. Now, when we look at any any Islander right now, they have more defensive zone starts than they do offensive zone starts. Right. Just because, well, the Islanders play more defensively. But typically, a fourth line will start 55 to 60% in the defensive zone, which is exactly what Casey Zekas had last year. Actually, it was even higher. I think it was 67.8 or something like that. It was definitely in the 60s. It was 67 or 66 point something, uh, which is wild. And he's still got 20 goals and 33, uh, 33 points, right? Yes. Give him. A, you shift that dynamic a little bit more to be, like, let's say, 50-50 or close to, let's say, 45-55. How much more production is this guy getting you if he's in the offensive zone a little bit more? Which is what I'm trying to say is to get him to a third line role. Ultimately, he's too good for the fourth line. I agree with you. I just think right now they're not looking to break up that fourth line. They love. They them. might have to soon. They might have to soon. I, I tend to agree with you there, and especially with Matt Martin being a free agent at the end of the year. Its days might be numbered, but Barry Trotz and the organization, they really like that line. They love it almost to a fault. It works. It works. It's just, it works until it doesn't. And when it doesn't, they're going to go, well, now what? And we don't have necessarily an alternative. 
It works, but I still don't think it's what it was in like the 2014-15 era. Like that, when it was Matt Martin and Kyle Clutterbuck 1-2 in the league in hits, that's when it was like, okay, this is way different than any other fourth line in the NHL. Now it's like there's one really talented guy on that line and then two other guys he's getting the dragon along with him. I think it's because they were generating so much offensively last year that they were asked to do more. Like, well, you got to keep that up then. Maybe not like, sorry, they weren't asked to do more because they, they, they saw it. They were asked to do more because you weren't getting it from anywhere else. So it's like, well, guys, we kind of need you to keep doing that instead of like going out there and being human battering ramps, which they still were, just like you said, to a lesser uh, degree. Right. It's just not the same that it once was. So that's why. I, and everyone's getting older, too. Clutterbuck's yeah. over 30. Martin's over 30 now. Sezikis is the young guy. I think he's, what, 28 or 9? Uh Clutterbuck, 31. Martin, 30. Uh, Sezikis, oh, that's why I don't see him. He's in the IR. Uh, is 28. 28. Okay, there you go. So, like we've been saying, he's the one that the Islanders desperately need back, though. <laughs> Which is, again, like you said, wild when you just consider their position and where they are in the depth chart. Like, okay. their fourth-line center, they desperately need back. You know, and the, the, the first-line right wing, you know, let's wait a little bit. You, you just take your time and get fully healthy, buddy. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But uh, with that, that brings us to Leo Komarov up next. And I guess we could do Tom Kunako at the same time because they have the same thing. They're both sick. Yeah, um, whatever. I, I guess like Cole Bardrow did a fine job in, in relief for uh, Leo Komarov. So if they have to, then great. That's fine. He did. He was perfectly fine. I For the amount that he's costing on the cap, that's even better. Yeah. Mitch, you did it again to me. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, when you see what Leo Komarov and Tom Kunak will give to this team, and then you look at what this kid did, and you look at their price tag, it's like, what are, what are we doing here? Cole Bardo, 700000 for the next two years. Tom Kunak, 850 Not too bad. That's not bad. It's the other one, Leo Komarov. That's the issue. <laughs> $3 million for the next three years. Or two years after this. Two one years after this. Two and a half years. Jeez. I, Just, that's so annoying. It really is. That's so long. With a modified no trade clause. But he's good in the locker room, Matt. Like, look. I know. Yeah. I just slapped myself. So clearly I am worth $3 million a year. <laughs> I, I woke myself up and I got myself into the game. Because I've been thinking of, of negative Facebook and Twitter comments I'm getting for something I just wrote. So I'm trying to get that out of my system. So someone give me $3 million for the next four years, please. There we go. I'm so, awake. I'm woke. What What is Dennis Seidenberg worth then if he just continues housing all these kids? I wanted to bring that up in the social. Okay, I will get pinning that, coming back to it later. Perfect. All right. So, uh, yeah. So with that, we were talking a little bit already. We we're hinting at the similarities and differences between last year's team and this year's team. So let's get into that a little bit more in depth. Mitch, what are you noticing that looks different? And what are you noticing that's like, okay, this is like a carbon copy of 2018-19? Well, we already talked about the power play, so that... That's the biggest difference. That is absolutely the biggest difference from this team because last year, we know they were ineffective. They were bottom three in the league. Now they're in the top three. Well, do they sustain sustain that? Excuse me, no. I absolutely don't think they do. But it, it is working, and you could see that stylistically, it's much different than last year. Absolutely, it's there's there's something to it, uh, and, and big credit to Jim Hiller. Big credit, big credit to the Islanders for bringing him in. Like Scott Gomez just wasn't getting it done, uh, and so they brought a guy in, and they said, "All right, let's see what you can do." And uh, <laughs> so far, so good. And look, he was 
the power play guy for the Toronto Maple Leafs who had Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares last year. And he's still recreating that same type of thing with, I mean, let's be honest, lesser lesser parts. Like, yes, he's got Barzal. Yes, he has Lee. Uh, but then it starts dropping off. You know, they, they don't have a Nylander. They don't have a Marner. Or, sorry, uh, it's, uh, a Matthews. They just don't. Like, Barzal may, may be there this year as a 40-goal scorer. But there's still a lot of room for him to, to not be that 40-goal scorer. Oh, of course. And, yeah, so you could make the argument that the talent isn't there. But I think it's like the chicken and the egg argument. Like, is it more the talent? Is it the structure? I, in Toronto, I'd probably lean towards the talent. But with what he's been able to do with this Islanders team already, it's hard to discredit his work in Toronto just because of who is there. And when you look at who is here for the Islanders, and he's still getting extremely productive power plays. That's right. Um, so, like, the power play is definitely one thing, obviously. Uh, another similarity is the, the penalty kill. Like, I know the penalty kill is bottom of the league right now, but the sample sizes are so small that you have power plays that are still running at, like, 80%, or sorry, almost 100% efficiencies, which is insane. Yeah, that's crazy. But the Islanders finished last year with a 79.9% efficiency on the power play for 18th in the league. Um, and right now they're at a 74 Five. I'm just trying to bring it up right meow. Right, like the top ranked penalty kill is Vegas at a 90.9. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's, that's just ridiculous. crazy. Um, the Islanders are. Why can't I see them? 25th in the league with a 73.7 percent efficiency. Yeah, that's going to go up. That's going to go up. How high is 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 where we we see this? And again, they don't have Casey Sezikis right now, which is their number one penalty number one, killer. Yeah. See, so. For me, sorry to cut you off. But no, go for it. Uh, for me, we said twenty percent on the on the power play, so I'm going to say the inverse of that for the penalty kill. If they could sit around eighty percent, which is basically what they were last year, I'm okay with it. Yeah, that'd be great. That that again, it's league average ish. It's a lower, it's a little bit below at eighteenth, but it's not super far off. I think they're off by like fractions. Uh, and that's this year's stats. So I'm trying. I, I'm I'm floating between the two here. Uh, Run reports, penalty kill, 79.9. Like, there are three teams at 79.9. So that's then literally right in the middle. Which is fine. I don't think you have to have a top-tier penalty. Obviously, you would prefer if you had the best penalty kill and best (laughs) power play in the league. But if you could be right down the middle in both, let's say, you know, 15th and 15th in the league in both, the Islanders would be A-OK. They would be better than fine. They would be where they were last year. They'd be over a 100-point team. Man, if the, that that team last year had an average penalty or power play, wolf, they run away with that division. They run away with it. I mean, think about it. Look how many down years there were. Barzal technically had a down year. Yeah, he still definitely had a down year. Twenty three point difference. Right, he had a down year. Bailey regressed in point total. Everly yeah. regressed hard. Hard. Lee regressed. That's four of your. Big, uh, even even Bovillier, you want to say him too? That's five of your main, most important scorers and the people that are on the power play, and they all had down years. If those numbers increase because of their power play opportunities and them finishing on the power play, what would their numbers look like? They'd be great. Wildly, yeah, they'd be wildly different. So there's that. Um, I, there's a lot of similarities from last year, really, when you think about it. Uh, specifically, like, just their shot generation. They're just not generating a lot of shots, and they're getting shot at a lot. No, yeah, that is really ugly. We looked at, uh, well, I looked at uh, their 
Corsi for and Corsi against, and they're bottom three in both, which that's not I, what you want at all. No, that's not what you want at Well, it isn't. Like, the Barry Trotz typically runs a team that isn't very high on Corsi, um, but they still win. Like, last year, they weren't very good Corsi-wise, but they still won. It's true. It's like they're winning in, in spite of statistics. They're going like, oh, yeah, all you analytics peeps, we have different analytics and ours are better because we're winning because of them. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely part of it, I guess. I, I don't really have a good explanation for why it's happening. Uh, what I wanted to look up was what I, where is it? Okay, so combined, the only teams that are worse at the time of writing this, which was four days ago, the only team that was worse in Corsi Four was the Star and the the Stars and the Devils, and combined the, at the time they were two eleven and three. Losing teams, real right. bad losing teams. <laughs> right, exactly, really bad losing teams. And the only teams worse in Corsi against were the Rangers, who have been awful, and the Senators, who are a dumpster fire. <laughs> oh god they're so bad they're so bad uh, yeah but the Islanders win they have a four game winning streak and they have what, what is their, their Corsi for again uh, 40 something or other it, it's low uh, 47.37 awful that's awful it's, it's just even if you're at 50 that means you have the puck 50% of the time they have the puck less than that, than half of the time. That's wild. No, and their course against is 63.47. Oh, that's rough. But they play some pretty coursey heavy teams like Carolina, um, Edmonton. They 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 run a, a pretty heavy coursey game. Uh Winnipeg they like to shoot from everywhere. Uh but it just gets gets back to like they're not far off from where they were last year in terms of performances. Right when when and what, what I mean by that is on ice performance and their their penalty kill is maybe the one wild difference. Um, sorry, the power plays are one wild difference. The penalty kill is about the same thing. Uh, so you know they're they're not as effective or they're they're just as effective as they are when the when they're not up. Uh, they don't get a lot of shots and they give up a lot of shots, just as they did last year. And goaltending is just about the same as well. Like both goaltenders are have outstanding numbers. Yeah, that's a great point, is the goalies. And specifically, I want to talk Varlamov for a second because some Islanders fans really killed him after the first two games. We were not one of those people doing that, but he is right back on track and kind of, to me, is reminding me of what Leonard was like last year at the beginning of the year because he had a phenomenal first game with the Islanders and then struggled for a little bit for about a month. And then he really hit his stride and like, November, December-ish, if I'm remembering correctly. I believe that's right. I'm just trying to bring up his game logs, him being uh, Leonard from last year. Like, obviously, his first game, shut out, so that's not a problem. Uh, but 8.57 in the very next game led up four goals against Nashville. 9.33, 9.02, 9.27, 9. 9.57. But then he hit his stride here, like you said, in November, where it's 8.85, 900, 7.86, 8.15. That's four games in a row of, like, 900 or less and some significantly less. Not great. That's not great. 
Uh, he obviously bounced back though. Like you know, right after that, nine seven two eight nine fifty eight eight twenty four nine seventy three nine fifty shutout shutout nine seventy five. Just great performances. He strung it together and he got it together. And he was the guy that we love today. Uh, and we'll get to in the social because I want to bring it up. Is still fantastic as it stands. Yeah, <laughs> that's a a great point. Uh, anything else? Similarities and differences. There's not a whole lot different here. Nothing, nothing really is a lot different except for maybe Anthony Beauvillier. Yeah, uh, that's a, okay. That's another great one. Anthony Beauvillier has been off to a great start. He is looking like the end of 2017-2018 Anthony Beauvillier, which is what we want. More of that, please. Yeah, 60-point pace. He's on a 62-point pace, I believe, Correct. with six points in eight games. Yep. Just exactly what we wanted to see, what we thought we can get from him when he ended, like you said, the 17-18 season on fire. And so far, so good from Bo. He's worked himself up to the second line, uh, and he's looking, even when he's not scoring, he's there. You can see him. You notice him, and that's important. Yeah, that's a great sign because usually when uh, he is not scoring in the past, he tends to be invisible out there on the ice, but... That hasn't been the case so far this year. He's scored, but he's also put up assists. That's not something. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so we are. Uh, I see Mitch's video as we're recording this, and he took a sip of whatever he's drinking and made a face. It was really funny. What happened? Sorry, I'm coughing a lot just because my throat is dry. Because I'm still working out this cold. This cold is awful. I I feel fine. I get the energy levels are fine. It's just the mucus. When I wake up in the morning, it's just awful. And when I'm about to go to sleep, it's terrible. Anyways, I'm drinking tea. I have this like berry zinger. And then it's like a bunch of berries and it's got a zing to it. So it's a zinger. And uh, I, I started drinking this an hour and a half ago. So as you can imagine, it's cold, it's cold now in my basement. And so I took a sip of it and it was not very good cold. And that was the... the Wow, the cat like coughing up a hairball look. That's what I gave. I was trying to talk about Bovillier and Mitch is like gagging. On the other <laughs> Unbelievable. But yeah, with, with Bo, just to wrap it up on him, he has been a very pleasant surprise so far this year. And I really hope he continues at this pace. That would help out the Islanders tremendously. Yes, it would. Oh my God, please. If we can get him to a top six production rate, that'd be amazing. All right, Mitch, I'm ready for quiz time. Are you? I am ready. All right, let's do it. Okay, so as you know, this is the Kyle Shemp edition, drafted by the New York Islanders in the 2014 NHL draft. So Matt, you have to answer three questions about Kyle Shemp. They're not overly complicated questions. They're fun questions because they're easy and you probably won't know the answer because let's face it, some of these guys, we just don't know them. True. So Kyle Shemp, what position did he play? Basing it off the name, which is what I always do. Uh, Shemp, that sounds like the name of a defender. Incorrect. He's a forward. He plays wing. I don't know which one, but he plays a wing. I think he plays both. Okay. Oh, there you go. Um, next, where is he playing right now, this year? If you can give me either the league or the team. I would prefer the team, uh, but I really doubt you get it, so I'll settle for the league. I don't know, but I'm going to take an educated guess, and I'm going to yeah. say the AHL. Incorrect. Oh, he is playing in the ECHL, the East Coast Hockey League, for the Idaho Steelheads. Okay. And one point in four games. Okay. 
Okay, good for him, I guess. The next question and last one is where was Kyle Shemp drafted from? So I'll settle for either the league or the team. I would prefer the team again, but obviously you probably don't know that. So let's settle for the league. Where was he drafted out from? 2014. 2014. We'll go with the QMJHL. That is incorrect. He was drafted out of the WCHA, which is uh, the Ferris. He played for Ferris State University. Uh, what does WCHA even stand for? Western Collegiate Hockey Association. How was I supposed to know that? <laughs> Who heard? That's the fun. Of this. No, of course not. Um, okay, the fun. The, the, based off of all this information and the fact that you didn't know the answers. Okay. You know what round he was drafted in? Sixth. Correct. Let's go. End on a high streak. (laughs) 155th overall pick in the sixth round of the 2014 NHL draft. Uh, I I just want to bring up that 2014 NHL draft because uh, it features such household names like Michael Del Cole. Friend uh, of the show. 40 NHL games. Joshua Sang, friend of the show. Uh, They did not make a second round pick. Uh, Third round, Ilya Sorokin. What's up? Uh, next up, Ilya Sorokin, or Ilias, sorry, Linus Soderstrom in round four, and then Devin Tays in round four. That's pretty, pretty good. good that's pretty good right there. Good yeah. mid round value. They missed out on, in the sixth round, they missed out on Kevin LeBanc. So, uh, okay. There's that. Who was drafted 171st overall. Okay. Who now has 223 games played with 120 points. So, there's that. Yeah, that's a little depressing. <laughs> oh, well. Could have been better, I guess. All right, thank you for the update on that. I, this is my favorite part of the show every single week. It's a fun, it's a fun segment, specifically because of the music. It's always a good time. Absolutely. So, when we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. All right, welcome back. We are now ready for the social segment. Mitch, what do you got for us this week? Oh, you saved me from taking a sip of my juice. All right. Or juice, tea, juice now, I guess. I have three things. So I don't know if you, how many you have, but like, let's interchange these. Okay. Um, I alluded to this in the, in the, earlier in the pod, uh, Dennis Seidelberg is going to make him have a mensch here. Um, there was a picture from, I was blog tweeted out, but it's from Noah Dobson's or um, Dennis Seidelberg's wife's Instagram. And it is a picture of her and Noah Dobson. And it says new son next to it. Implicating that uh, Devin, uh, Noah Dobson has now moved in to the uh, Seidenberg household, and I assume Matt Barzell has moved out. I would hope so at, at this point, right? He's probably got enough money to buy a condo, or they've got both. Maybe both of them are there. What if they're both? I, do you think he stayed past his rookie year? Do you think he was there last year? I think so. Really? Okay. Why not? I would just thought it was like a rookie thing, like that's like mandatory that you got to do it. Because it wasn't like Barzell was that. I kind of get it for like Dobson and when Tavares was. Because I mean, he was eighteen. Like Barzell's twenty-two. Yeah. It's different than like. Yeah, I know, but still, if it looked like a fun situation from the documentaries we saw. I mean, a documentary that's over glorifying it. The 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 clips, the video clips we saw. He looks like he was having a good time. He enjoyed himself with the family in a nice room in the basement. Good times. Why would you leave that? Yeah, I I shouldn't be one to talk. I'm still living at home at twenty-four. <laughs> It's different, though. I don't play in the NHL. 
Fair enough. You're not making $975,000 on salary. That's not even anything else, endorsements or what, what have you. So. <laughs> exactly. If I, if I was making that, I'd not so positive I would still be living at home. And I, and I know he got a performance bonus for that Calder trophy, so that's always good. Yeah, I would certainly think so. So that that's he's probably got some enough money to buy himself a nice condo in wherever on Long Island or a house even probably just straight up cash. Where do you think the Steinbergs live? I don't I don't know somewhere nice gated community I I don't know. So I'm you said either gar- place where so you said S Y O S S E T close Syosset Syosset that that's the one. I'm gonna go I'm gonna guess either Garden City or Manhasset. That's that's big Isles country right there. Sure. Yeah. That, those places, absolutely. I 100%. Those are very Isles country places where people live. It is. Like, good. I'm glad I said that then. <laughs> I still don't know now. anything about Long Island. I'm sorry. Uh, mine is from, it's a couple of tweets from Yerms, I'm going to guess. Y E R M S is their Twitter name, and their ad is Y E R M S X X. So they replied to an article that I wrote about Casey Zekas and that he returned to practice yesterday. Correct. And she says, I legit saw him at Starbucks before he was heading to practice, which nice. that is, I mean, if I re- imagine running into Casey Zekas at Starbucks. I don't know what I'd ask him. Could you just like hit me in the boards once or show me how you win a face off, please? Something like that. I don't know. And if you th- so that was yesterday, right? You run yeah. into an Islander. Imagine like you're going about your day, getting your coffee, and you see an Islander. That's pretty cool, right? Heck yeah. It gets better, Mitch. Michael Del Cole came into where she works in order to get food. Nice. So two Islanders on back-to-back games. She might be listening to this show. I later found out in the thread that she is a listener to the pod, and she offered me uh, free food because she likes the show. So hey, I'm good job by you. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to take you up on that. Yerms or whatever your real name is. <laughs> Yerms, well, thank you for hooking up my boy with some some free foods. Um, that's always fun. Um, but yeah, that's pretty intense to meet an Islander. Hey, I, I, I get starstruck when I meet someone wearing an Islander shirt here. <laughs> so I can only imagine when it's an actual player. Wild. Well, that, and that's funny, too, because we were just talking a few weeks ago at this point that uh, Devon Tays went into my old job that I worked in college. And if I if he if that happened when I was like still working there, I don't know what I would do. I'd be lost. Yeah, I yeah, I, I get starstruck a lot by like politicians. I get starstruck by them all the time. Like I see an MP and I go, oh, my God, it's that MP from the whatever writing. Oh, my God. Uh, or the, like my kids go to school with the prime minister's uh, kids. So have you uh, seen I the prime a, minister? Sorry. Have you seen the prime minister? Yeah. Well, that on their first day of school, he dropped off his kids. Um, so he's walking by and like, I, I've, I've seen and met him before, but still I just like, Oh my God, it's Justin Trudeau. I don't even vote for him. I don't, I don't like his policies at all, but I still like, Oh my God, it's Justin Trudeau. Wild. It's insane. Well, yeah, so I can only imagine what I'd be like around an Islander who I actually care about. No, but that's the thing. Like, I don't know, whatever you feel about a, a pre- this current president or another president in the past, like if, I still meant the president, no matter what their political views were, I would still be like, oh, my God, that's the president of the United States of America. Like, that's a huge deal. Yeah, the respect of the office. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you on that. So um, that that was an interesting one. I I thought that was pretty cool. Pretty lucky on back to back days. Heck, yeah. Good on you. What are the winning super lotto numbers? What is the big lottery over there? I don't know what it's called. Mega millions. There you go. All right. Those ones, because they seem to be lucky. So 
Let's make some money off of it. What else you got for the social segment, Mitch? Uh, Barry Trotz barking at his boys. I didn't want to use the blasting term again because <laughs> apparently that gets y'all triggered. Um, it's funny. He, bl- he blasted them um, after, after the winning streak, right? Like, so they're on a break right now. The winning streak, they're still on technically, but like they, they won their game. They're at practice, and he's still barking orders at them. you got to be here. Keep the shots from the outside. It's just always coaching. Everything is a teachable moment with Barry Trotz, and it's, it's great to see. Absolutely. And for my last one, I just want to give a birthday shout-out to Butch Goring, who turned 70 years young yesterday. Good job. Happy birthday to Butch Goring. Just, you know, chip and chase, boys. Chip one and more, chase. One more, and I just want to do this one more time on this show. In the toy department, Brendan. Happy birthday, Butch. Toy department, Brendan. <laughs> uh, my last one is from at I Predom, who is Ian Predom, who is uh, replying to a uh, culture of losing. And he's saying um, Tavares, Leonard, and now Spiza. Starting to see a trend where the Isles let elite talent go for nothing. And I, I brought that up because it's funny because there's now there was like essentially a baiting war for Lucas Spiza. Yeah, that's wild. How, Winnipeg didn't let him clear waivers. That's the deal. They picked him up off waivers. That's right. Uh, can you imagine so, that? You're going to be like, oh, I, yes, I get to go out to California. The weather's going to be great. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and now you're stuck going to Winnipeg. <laughs> Uh, sorry for anyone who's from Winnipeg. It's a truly nice place, I suppose. Like, I've been there a few times. It's nice. The people there are nice. But you, you juxtapose the sandy, warm beaches and palm trees to the cold of Winnipeg. It's cold in Winnipeg. You should know that. You're there. Yes, I would choose California. Yeah. But, like, so the whole story is the Islanders had him on a PTO. The, win- the Anaheim Ducks come and, and sign him for a year at... 750,000 I think it is at a two-way deal but because he hasn't he hasn't cleared waivers and he's he has to they had to send him through waivers to send him down to the AHL Winnipeg comes in like you know what boys we need defensemen yoink Lucas Pisa Lucas Pisa so he's gonna be on the NHL roster then I guess well I don't know I I don't I I haven't followed it up after that but like they yoinked him so We'll I'd see. imagine so, because if they sent him down, then they'd have to send him through Ravers, and you would think that he would get picked up by Anaheim then, right? I, I guess. I, I, I'm not sure how it works now. Like, does he now clear? He, well, no, he would have to go through. So, yeah, that's <laughs> that would be a ridiculous loop of just them fighting to get <laughs> to Lucas Pisa. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh. Uh, I, and sorry, I have one last one. Right, this one me. is from Mark Lazarus. He's, he's a verified. He's from The Athletic. He covers the Chicago Blackhawks. And he says, uh, um, why did the Islanders ever let, let Robin Leonard walk? Fair question, Mark. Fair question. Leonard has a 102 record with a 1.93 goals against average and a 943 save percentage so far. <laughs> I miss him. And apparently it's only getting better. So, right, like they're playing right now, I believe. Uh, they being the Blackhawks. Let me just bring it up as we speak. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, they are not playing, so I don't know why he tweeted that. I guess they played last night and they lost two one in a shootout to Vegas, and he stopped. Let me just bring it up here because it's taking a while because it's NHL dot com. Thirty three shots. Yeah, he's good for a nine seven one save percentage. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's a, he's a good goalie. So that's all I got. That was my last thing. All right, Mitch. Let's get a couple of plugs in here before we round this thing out. So. Wherever you are listening to this show, please make sure to subscribe. Give us a rating and review if you really like the show. We appreciate all the love and support. 
You could also follow along and subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. You get a mailbag show, which we're going to record after this. You get post game shows and a bunch of extra content. It's definitely worth it. Get on over to there, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. You could also follow along with us on social media at eyes on aisles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You can also download our app. There we go. Eyes on Isles app for iPhone or Android. And of course, you can visit the website eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, episode number 114 in the books. It was a blast. Can't wait to do it again next week. Same thing here, buddy. Same thing here. That'll do it for us. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.